Buying a master mechanics tool set usually means high prices, higher interest rates, and who knows how many years of monthly payments. But at GearWrench, we don't believe that your tools should take years and years to pay for. So check out Mega Mod Master Sets, the master mechanics tool sets that deliver pro-quality tools, organized storage solutions, an easy-to-use lifetime warranty, and much, much more. All for thousands less than you'd expect. So don't wait. Explore the sets and check availability now. Only at GearWrench.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. A roast as dark as the night. Perfect for fueling the cryptid research and mad ravings required for your podcasting. Don't mind the red eyes. He's just trying to warn you of the bridge. The bridge. Finally, from the caffeine-addled brains of Spring Hill Jack Coffee and last podcast on the left, we bring you Mothman's Red Eye Blend. Yes, delicious Panama beans. Go to lastpodcastmerch.com to order yours today. <laughs> Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here with Henry Zabrowski. Yeah, it's me, man. Yeah, bro. Henry Zabrowski is smoking some of that sweet last podcast on the left, babe. <laughs> Go out there and purchase yourself some. I hope you enjoy it. We have sativa, we have indica, and we have a hybrid. And I have to tell you, from my personal experience, they are wonderful. Super tasty, live resin. You really get the delicious weedy taste, which is what I like. And yes. three different experiences. You go to your local vape store and get it. Absolutely. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. We absolutely love you. Can't wait to see you on the road and get that vape, put it in your brain, and have a good time. And if you want us at your favorite weed store, give them a call and ask for them by name. Absolutely. Last podcast on the left, it's weed. Hail yourselves, everyone. Hail Satan. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast on the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. All right, so I attempted another poem okay. for today. Yeah, you did. This, um, <laughs> but the goal about this poem was to expand the poem's universe. Okay. Much as people did with Loki. Hmm. Right? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> fucking cares. All right, sweet. Who gives a shit? It's fake. No. The Marvel Universe is fake. It is. Yeah, it's every, all just made up. They just yeah, make it up as they go. That's a complaint that anyone has about anything they just about cinema. <laughs> You're yeah. talking, you about talking about fiction. I'm just yeah. saying, yeah. Because yeah. everyone's like, oh, it's not canon. Well, it's also it the lessons. The <laughs> lessons are very real. <laughs> don't be a mean brother. <laughs> Loki. Oh, here we go. Lizzie Borden was caught a licking. She gave the maid quite the dickin'. When her mom walked uh-huh. in her room, those lesbos sent her to her doom. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Does that still work? All right. 
Kind, I mean, kind of. If it's in an alternate universe, Lizzie Borden. Like, uh, that's what I'm saying. If it's focused like a, on the conspiracy theory. Uh, the rumors. The rumors, yeah. the sexual tension between... There was, yeah. was the movie Lizzie mm-hmm. with Chloe Sevigny. Have you seen that? And oh. Kristen Stewart. Hot I did not stuff. know about that Hot one. stuff, sure. Pretty, I watched it last night around midnight. <laughs> it gets pretty <laughs> articulate <laughs> with the storyline, if you know oh, what I mean. I and, but I think they take a lot of liberties. Okay, I, I would imagine right. so. Is it's that the end of the poem? Yeah, that's all I got. That's the end of the poem. That is the most prep I did for this. Wow, that's amazing. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben, hanging out with Marcus and hanging out with Henry, live from Boise, Idaho. Boise. Boise, Idaho. (laughs) We are on to part two of this crazy tale. It is. It's Lizzie Borden. So when we last left the story of the Lizzie Borden axe murders, the police had ruled out all other suspects. These included Lizzie's uncle, John Morse, hmm. the Borden family doctor, Seabury Bowen. Wasn't me. <laughs> the Borden family maid, Bridget Sullivan, hmm. and whatever mysterious Portuguese men might be kicking around Fall River, Massachusetts. A.K.A. You know Portuguese men that did nothing wrong. Yeah. You know, I found out that John Morse's middle name, Vinicum. <laughs> Vinicum? Yeah, Vinicum. That was a name? Yeah. Vinicum. 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 It sounds like something you rub on your tooth if it hurts. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> no, I found out that John Morris was actually Lizzie Borden's birth mother's brother. Okay. Fascinating. Fascinating. Uh, yes, Vinicum. <laughs> Get over here. Smack my butt. <laughs> Once all other options were exhausted, the police laid their suspicions solely on Lizzie Borden, using inheritance and general family discord as the motives for these gruesome crimes. Now, it could be argued that if anyone, Dr. Seabury Bowen was at least partly responsible for the accusations that were coming Lizzie's way. Hmm. Yes, he got the nickname, or he got the last name Seabury, or first name Seabury? First yes. name. Taking a dump in the river. <laughs> Perfectly They call executed. that a Seabury. <laughs> Boise. See, the murder timeline was a hard sell from the intruder angle because no one could figure out how a stranger could get in and out without being seen by anyone. Honestly, though, it sounds like no one was paying that much attention to anything within that house. Yep. True. To that same point, though, a scenario in which a rich, somewhat bland 32-year-old Sunday school teacher brutally murders her parents with an axe and hides the evidence well enough that the mystery persists for 130 years, that's also a hard sell. Unless there was a grand conspiracy. Conspiracy. Mm. John Vinicum Mars, right? Uh Uh-huh. And her older sister, Lizzie. Lizzie's older sister, Emma. Yes, with a book. This dude yeah. they called Are we name. playing dumb clue? No, listen. <laughs> What's going on? Listen, there's this one theory that the, a man who actually did the killings was a buck from out of town named Wait, William Arthur a, Davis. Buck, what do you mean is a that, are buck you using from out of buck, town? Buck, the racist term for a black man? No, I mean like a big old strong youngin oh. that they bring in there just to have at the crime because okay. he was the one who was doing all the cleaving and the cutting because he went to butcher school. Okay. Ah, interesting. So this is more like kind of the Jack the Ripper theory that the butcher done it. There is a massive The butcher never does essay. it. The, the butcher, honestly, he sees enough blood. Yeah, he's I don't got know why butchers he all day. Why would he want to go work at home. I don't know, but there is a I, an almost it is a novel length long fucking 
essay I read that is by the uh, is by the name a man by the name of Fritz Adlers mm. that was added to the Lizzie Borden <laughs> the Lizzie Andrew Borden dot com like trove. It's a it's a journal of Lizzie Borden documents, right? Ah. And he wrote this in two thousand six, and there was no evidence. To support a single bit of this. <laughs> That's great. But if you do read this, it's called the solution he to did the blog about it, though. Yeah, oh, that's evidence. Yeah, and it's, it was well, it was printed in the Hatchet Journal of Lizzie Borden Studies, right? Which is <laughs> oh my fun. god, there's so much material on Lizzie Borden. Oh yeah, man, people are obsessed. And it was called the Armchair Detectives version of the story. Okay. And he did this whole long thing where it is highly, highly involved of, of the, the big plan. They fake the burglary. They do all this kind of shit to kind of cover up. They they prep for the murder, but it really comes down to there is a whole section in this that is very, very vivid incest porn oh. that I really feel like was the point of the essay it's incest possible. porn between lizzie and her uncle her father that he came in and he did the fiddling and the fiddling uh, and the pressing yeah. he did a bit of the molest, as mm. the french say and then apparently they made them very <laughs> very upset yes. all right well that would give her a rationale perhaps but it's kind of funny it's the same exact explanation that we came up with casey anthony and the menendez brothers yeah. the idea of like punting to the molest to try to get somebody out for it but at this her defense attorney i will say did not use yeah that approach how does the butcher fit into it? Well, the man, William Arthur, was a, how do you put this? He was also a boarder at the place where John Mars was staying, right? Uh. And that, that he was also pissed at Lizzie Borden's father because of a real estate deal gone bad. Oh, okay. Oh. See, it's never the butcher. More often, as we know, it's the baker. It's the woman. <laughs> it could be either. Well, the biggest reason why Lizzie became a prime suspect was that her account of what happened on the morning of the murders kept changing, and it kept changing partly because of Dr. Bowen. I'm just going to say right now, I'm high as fuck. I know, <laughs> right? Dr. I just need y'all to know, I'm high, and I am loving it. That's why we love you, Dr. See, as we said, Lizzie was terribly distraught upon discovering the mutilated remains of her father, so Dr. Bowen shot Lizzie Full to the gills with morphine. Tamarine, oh, man. Mm-hmm. Sweet. But it didn't stop there. The next day, Dr. Bowen doubled the dose of morphine and kept her at that dosage for a considerable amount of time. Winning. Well, do you want this woman to be a guitar player or not? <laughs> I got tiger blood. Ooh, yep. I'll take it. Remember? Yeah. As a result, Lizzie spoke in a suspiciously calm, emotionless manner when she was asked about the murders, and was often confused and lightly hallucinating as a side effect of the morphine. A bird did it. Some kind of what bird was that? did it. Some kind of bird did yeah, it. Yeah, I'm pretty certain if you're gonna round up all the different types of birds in town. <laughs> all right, we'll get cardinals are the color of blood. All right, good point. I don't trust a cardinal as far as I can throw him. Therefore. Which means I trust them quite a bit because they can fly. That's true. Wow. <laughs> Therefore. Lizzie's answers were not quite the same every time she was asked a question. Then other questions began piling up, namely about the location of the note that supposedly said that Abby Borden was out seeing a sick friend. Mm. See, nobody could find the note, nor did the young boy who allegedly delivered the note ever come forward. As if there was never a note. Mm. Oh, or young if. boy. <laughs> <laughs> but remember, there was a note. 
Dr. Bowen stopped the police from reassembling right. that note. We don't know what that note said, but Dr. Bowen stopped the police from reassembling it and threw it in the fire. So there was a note. We just don't know what the contents of that note were. We don't know if it was that note, no. but it was a note. Yes, it was. Who did it? <laughs> Lizzie did it. Okay. But even though suspicion was in the air, the Borden sisters acted as expected in other ways. On the day after the murders, Emma and Lizzie offered a $5,000 reward to anyone who might have had information about the murders. Wouldn't you believe it? I just found out. I know something. <laughs> I know something. Seriously. I would fucking make up a lot of stuff for $5,000. A bird did it. A bird did it. I heard a, a, bird did it. a cardinal did it. And they even hired a man named O.M. Hanscom from the Pinkerton Detective Agency Ooh. to help. I actually wanted to get to the bottom of this crime to find out who did it. I wanted to know, and that's why I wrote this book. <laughs> it's oh. all just about what if I did do <laughs> it, you which did I didn't it. do it, but it only is the position you think <laughs> that... What if I did do it in a way that you'd think maybe somebody else did it? Another case solved by yep. the Pinkerton Detective now Agency. I'm just hanging out with Vegas. Absolutely. I'm hanging out with Vegas. Sometimes you go to St. Pete. I know you do, Mr. Pinkerton. But no one ever came forward for the reward, not even to try to scam the Bordens. Hmm. And the Pinkerton Detective mysteriously quit after two days on the job. I hate this woman. <laughs> <laughs> now, back in those days, funerals happened fairly quickly after death, because while embalming a body did indeed become popular during the Civil War, they needed to transport the bodies back home, mm. it didn't become common practice for civilians until much later. Good Lord, I can't even imagine what that must smell like. Just like moving to like the idea of if you have just a delay in the Victorian funeral process, mm -hmm. just butcher just rotten ass meat. Yeah. Even in Victorian, you're talking about for the entirety of human history until the late 1800s. But I think cool. it's better that way. This what? is big embalming. Big yeah. embalming. <laughs> oh, you're saying they make too embalming. much money. I, well, I'm just yeah. against it. What's the point? You're well, against embalming. Embal I am, yeah. Oh, well, not the also. well, not the entire human history. I mean, the, the Egyptians definitely did quite a bit of embalming, but at least, you know, modern Western history. I want to be cured. What? <laughs> That's actually a good question. Why do we embalm a corpse if it's just going to go in the fucking ground? Because uh, the that wake? way we don't have to bury it immediately. We take out all the things that rot very cool. quickly. So we can fucking work around your schedule, Henry, <laughs> so you can get to my funeral when it's convenient for you. Well, as such, Abby and Andrew's funeral was held the day after. After the murders, attended by 75 relatives and business associates, oh. as well as 2,500 looky-loos who all hung around outside of the funeral home. Damn. That, was, that was the fucking goth party of the 1890s. Fuck yeah. Because yeah. a lot. Everyone was goth back then. Oh, yeah. By yeah. nature. On base. Yeah, at base. Yeah. Interestingly... Although the cops hadn't quite gotten around to accusing Lizzie just yet, the papers criticized Lizzie for not wearing the proper funeral attire. Damn. This is the day after the murders. <laughs> that was the problem? Yep. yep. She was supposed to wear very specific types of fabric and trimming, like black wool trimmed with crepe. Uh-huh. And this public criticism might have swayed the police towards Lizzie. Man. This is a fashion police complaint? Oh, Seriously. Dude, literally the fashion police. Dude, this is Victorian times. Like, fashion and the proper way to do fashion and the proper way that you wear things in certain situations is of the utmost importance. Okay. Because otherwise, it shows that you are not a part of society <gasps> and you are bucking against the rules and that oh. means you are a murderer. Murderer. Mm -hmm. 
But once the funeral was over, the Bordens were not buried. Mm-hmm. No, they were not. Okay. No, they went basically through the process of a restaurant. It's like they, <laughs> there are things that were done to these bodies that I have eaten uh-huh. at yeah. fancy restaurants. They became a burger. Instead, they were taken to the medical examiner's office, where a man named Dr. William Dolan further mutilated the bodies in the sort of haphazard way one might expect from a late 19th century medical professional. Yes. Yes. So much meat I could (laughs) do. Yes. Uh What a wonderful set of toys. Well, if you can get that meat off the shoulder, you can create spam. (laughs) First... Dr. Dolan sliced open their abdomens Ooh. and removed their stomachs and intestines. Floppy tubes! <laughs> this is fun. It's a wondrous occasion. Yeah, the humans are filled with floppy little tubes. Just see him blowing up the stomach like a balloon. Look at it. Look at it. He then carefully tied them off at each end to keep the contents of whatever remained of their breakfasts inside. That's You're going to want to keep that. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're going to hold on to that. Well, he's trying to scientifically establish a timeline. Do you mm. think he put them in little beds and like put little sleeping caps on them <laughs> and just in little blankets and be like, you go to sleep now. Your time will come. What's in your belly, belly? Oh. Nope. Put them in airtight jars, seal them with wax, and send them to Harvard for testing. God okay, damn, that's great. Harvard gets all the good guts. <laughs> well, yeah, they create a lot of sociopaths up there. Once the test came back, it was found that Abby had died with undigested food in her small intestine, confirming that she'd eaten later in the morning. Great. Mm. But Andrew had died with a large intestine full of faces. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Can, where it goes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's its birthplace, the Delta. Uh, I know. That confirmed he'd indeed dined earlier. Now, this was actually good investigative work. This was helpful. It establishes a timeline because they're trying to see Mm. whether or not Lizzie's uh, actual testimony was the truth. So far, it is. It turns out we found the Taco Bell fourth meal in him. It was a (laughs) Gordita. But after the stomach and intestines had been sliced out, the Bordens were not sent to the grave, nor was more examination immediately done, nor were the bodies embalmed or even put on ice. Instead, Dr. Dolan just left out the Borden's bodies to rot for five days. Sweet. Another job. Another great job done by Dr. Dolan. No, you just want him to get soft. Yeah. Because then he can really get his hands up in there. Tear it apart. Ah, yes. When the belly becomes as yogurt, then I'm the chef. Gets right to the bones. Finally, on August 11th, after Dr. Dolan finished Whatever important business he had to attend to, besides doing the autopsy, he finally got around to it. He found that the brains had liquefied in his oh, absence, good. most likely leaking out of the massive wounds in each skull. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Seems like it could have used a bit of ice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, what did he think was going to happen to the brains? I don't think he really thought about it that much. It He's a doctor. It doesn't say what Dr. Dolan was doing in those five days. I, it can't, <laughs> <laughs> yes, so soft, so delicious. I mean, scientific. That's nice. You can suck up the brains with a straw. <laughs> Come on, man. Another great day as a doctor. They they truly are very soft, though, brains. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would imagine. They They, they don't hold together very well. You have Mm -hmm. cancer. No. It's called a brain tumor. Mm -hmm. I actually don't know if they... Do brain tumors get super hard? I don't know the consistency of a brain tumor, actually. All I know is that brains are super soft and delicious, if you Mm -hmm. can get at them Mm -hmm. right. Well, the skin on each body had also started to slough off. Mm -hmm. So determining the edges of the wounds was also difficult. But once the examination of what was left of the bodies began, Dr. Dolan did make new discoveries. 
Once Abby Borden's body was examined, it was found that she had a two and a half inch wound on her back, just below the neck, hmm. which might support the theory that someone had struck her from behind first, sending her into a silent shock. But, but of course, that depends on the order of the blows. Okay. Sounds like a real Irish surprise, if you know what I mean. I don't oh. know exactly what you <laughs> mean, but we'll just move on. The Irish surprise, of course, everyone knows that has been later uh, discussed as the, uh, what's it called? The du- the double decker when you shit in the... When yes, you just, normally, yes. It's also called for, an Irish surprise. Upper decker. Upper decker, mm, yeah, yeah. yes, of yeah. course. The double decker, another Taco Bell treat. No, I meant when they all fucking that crit, they click clear even maid got in there in the old mixer here and it was helping i don't know i don't know no idea well, she was seen outside washing the windows mm. that's what we think mm, that's what we know that there are multiple okay. people who's <laughs> clean your bottle washing the window <laughs> well after that dolan shaved the back half of abby's head to examine her skull fractures further he found that the skin and bone was slashed in a broad gap shaped like the number seven at the crown of her skull mm. and 14 parallel blows to the right side of the skull Ooh. had pulverized the bone behind Abby Borden's ear. Fuck, just yeah. a lot for such a little head. Yeah, There's man. a lot of hidden. Sounds like someone who's filled with rage at the victim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. But just examining these bodies wasn't enough for Dr. Dolan. After knowing what few bodily wounds there were, Dr. Dolan cut off both heads <laughs> and clean the skulls free of flesh and organ by boiling them in a lobster pot. Uh, hey man, all, they criticized Dahmer when he did it. <laughs> um, I would like to call it the nurse. Could you please call it my assistant? Uh, yes. It's I, the bone slicer. Project. <laughs> 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 That must be so much fun. Because you just, you get to freely, you have these bodies, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you empty out all the guts. You play with their liquefied brains. You've been flapping all the heads back. I mean, like, you you just go like, it's like, what if we just cut the heads off? And then we (laughs) can look at them super close. And they're all like, but can't you just lean over? The bodies as they're attached to that. He's like, mm, but then I can't pick it up and toss it around. Like yeah, you do want to toss it around, make a soup out of it, a little bit of a gumbo, perhaps. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, once the skulls were bone clean, Dr. Dolan made plaster casts to show the position of the wounds for the inevitable trial. He showed that Andrew had suffered 10 wax while Abby got 18. Okay. And Dr. Dolan confirmed that the wounds were perpetrated by someone of average strength, whether hmm. they be male or or female. Because okay. honestly, it's about how you use the axe, right? Mm-hmm. When it comes down to it, isn't it about momentum? Sure. Like if you are chopping wood, yeah, I know it is hard work, but mm-hmm. it's not necessarily, you don't have to necessarily be the strongest person in the world to chop Well, you wood. have to look good without a shirt on. That's yeah. different, but it's kind a good cross-core <laughs> out, like, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. it's a good cross-core exercise. Well, you do need experience with an axe. Have you ever used an axe? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When was the last time you used an axe? Yeah. Oh, For what? Oh, you know how Have I'm you ever chopped wood? In Queens. Le- like, seriously, in let Queens, me ask you. Have you ever, have you personally ever chopped wood? I know I had an axe. But have you ever chopped wood? <laughs> no, of course not. It what are you talking about? Very difficult. I mean, if it was, <laughs> granted, he grew up in Queens. If he just went yeah. to chop down the eight trees that are allowed to grow. Seriously. I, uh, would be kind of pissed. I have never done an ounce of physical labor in yeah. my life. Yeah, Using an axe, chopping down a tree, chopping but wood, it's very it's really difficult. Hard. And it's also, it's more... But sub- it's a hatchet, it's, though. She probably used a hatchet, mm-hmm. not a full-length axe. But it is still surprisingly hard to hit the mark with a hatchet. Why? It's difficult because you're swinging this big thing. If you don't know how to use it, you're swinging this big thing. You don't know how much. But uh, Lizzie momentum. knew how to use an axe. 
You don't know. Well, I just feel like everyone before 1900s used an axe somehow. But, oh, that's what I'm saying. I think everyone did, and she lived on her own for quite a bit. She mm. probably had to learn how to use but an axe. But you are saying probably. You're not saying that she did. You're saying she probably had this to learn how to use an axe. Ago. That's speculation, Henry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no. I'm not a defense How attorney. fucking dare you speculate? This is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, she was a rich girl. They did say multiple times, like, Lizzie did not know how to use an axe. Okay. She had servants. She had maids. That's what the fucking, the, the, her attorney that eventually became governor said. Actually, he was governor before Whatever, Lizzie. Whatever, man. I'm just saying, man. We He's just don't know. Seems Sometimes like- we have to live in the gray, don't we? Uh-huh. Wow. Yes. Uh-huh. The only acceptable reason to interrupt a podcast? Your dog. <laughs> that was your dog. Saying thank you for Bark Box. You can take a minute now. You pet your dog. You're going to learn about Bark. It's the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Yay. Every month, Bark Box decides and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. No, Wendy, I can't get you a whip. You're too cute for weapons. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Mmm, tubers. My dogs love their toys selectively, but BarkBox sends good little ones for the little tiny mouths. They have little mouths, but strong, big spirits. So they fight over the little toys. I imagine they think that they are hunting and going after little bugs and rats. And oh, they love their life and they love the, They love what BarkBox brings because BarkBox brings the bark and puts it in a box. Yep. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash L-E-F-T. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, You can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Every day, I fight to set my child up for success, which is why... As I sit and read Carmi and Wendy Dune, trying to explain to them the concepts of the savior complex not working, doubling back on itself, the concept of what does it mean to be a living God? What are those limitations? What are those expectations? And honestly, I know they just want chicken. But there are kids out there that need 
this type of direct help. And IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them understand and master topics in a fun way. Not unlike me, reading children, Dune Messiah, getting to about 365, seeing where they're at, see if they understand anything. There's no more grading these worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. You can't even believe it! You don't want to make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And last podcast in the left listeners could get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash left. Visit IXL.com slash left to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Now, while Dr. Dolan was busy beheading the Bordens, police turned the Borden home upside down in search of clues or evidence. They pulled up pieces of the carpet, removed wall trim, and counted blood spots, although it seems like they didn't really have much of an idea as to what they should actually do with all of this information. Harry, you go in there... Uh... Uh, fucking count the blood spots. <laughs> they did the same thing I would do with evidence. Yeah. Like, I would just go like, all right, got it. Well. <laughs> S- 73 blood spots. Uh, I don't fucking know what any of this shit is. Man. Bro, you got to stop doing nitrous. Yeah, I just fucking. Please, God. But the head of this task was District Attorney Hosea Knowlton, who was in charge of both the investigation and the prosecution to come. There's some good names in this series. Great names. It was said that Hosea Knowlton dominated a room, had shoulders a yard apart. Oh, Paul Bunyan. Legs as strong as the foundation of a bridge. Cool. A head as hard as iron, set on a neck that was a tower for strength. Big guy, huh? Is this a criticism or a compliment? <laughs> These are all very... For some reason, the people who wrote about the lawyers did so both defense and prosecution, the people who wrote at the time, like did so in these extremely fawning, almost sexual terms. Yes. But technically, this is also how they describe Lizzie. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Character-wise, Knowlton was described as a combative man who regularly snorted like a horse. You should see Wait. when I'm having sex with my wife. That's very good. That's close. Yeah. Like, And so, being in charge of the investigation, it was Hosea Knowlton who put the full court press on Lizzie Borden when other investigators found her answers about her movements on the day of the murders to be unsatisfactory. I did some zigzag movements. (laughs) I did some up and down movements. (laughs) I waited. I did some of my... I did some peck flies. To be fair, she was drugged. Greatly drugged. She was all fucked up. Exactly. To be very fair, Ben Kissel. Thank you. To be very fair. Someone has to be fair on this show. A little too fair, as far as I'm concerned. Now, Knowlton used specific tactics for pinning down a suspect for a crime, just like police do today when they want to charge someone but don't have any hard evidence for an indictment. Yeah. As pointed out by Bill James, what may have happened here is that Lizzie was repeatedly asked questions in ways that were designed to confuse her and elicit inconsistent statements that could be used later to paint Lizzie as a shady, untrustworthy character capable of double murder. And he's also doing this while she is on morphine. Okay. It is really interesting, though, because at the time, it was still like highly uncouth and highly like unbelievable that a woman would do this type of crime. So for them to zero in on her, I still 
still feel like I know. I don't think the idea of that gatekeeping grief, like you're not that. That's kind of we're seeing the same storyline that we see now today about how she wasn't behaving properly or that mm-hmm. kind of shit. But there was also just something about her and something about how she was the only one in the fucking house. I think what it really was, I think a big part of it was that the cops had no fucking clue what no was going clue. on. They were uh, under immense amounts of pressure to solve the murder of a respected local businessman. And at one point, they had no choice but to zero in on Lizzie, no matter what the evidence Absolutely. was. Yeah, because the most obvious one was John Morse, but he definitely wasn't there. Had an absolute airtight alibi. Airtight See, as we said, Lizzie Borden's testimony of her day up to the point where she found her father's body consisted of the mundane putterings of a Victorian spinster. Basically, she said she spent her morning ironing handkerchiefs. Oh, nice and flat. Inspecting pears. Oh, this one's mm, pear (laughs) That was a good pear. Well, the pear does bruise easier than many fruits, so you don't have to inspect them. Pears suck. Pears do not suck. And we just had a pear in the dressing room in in Portland, and I fucked Fucking loved it. You're an Marcus asshole. Ate it. Marcus absolutely ate it. loved yes, it. Yes, he did. Yes, it. In fact, I, I did you slice it or did so, you just bite into I it? You just bought it. Right, I bought you. Yeah, bite I bet right it. the fuck into it. I cringe. That's, cool. that's how you eat a pear. Do you bite right the fuck into Ooh, it? And you're I was sitting there eating it, and I was thinking, you know what? When I get back to New York, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna buy a shitload of pears. Why don't you go ahead and get a top hat and a cane, then, Mr. Monopoly? Well. It's a, it's a working class fruit. It is not. I mean, many people. I have validation from the, our people. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, sure. Well, besides ironing handkerchiefs, inspecting pears, she also spent a fair amount of time searching for fishing yeah, lures de- in the barn. Yeah, definitely got to go to the barn. Yeah, it's 100 degrees outside. Hey. For certain, better go check on my fishing lures, see if they're still there. Well, she had an appointment later that week to go fishing with her friend. She to was excited. Four days later. She that was is excited. What, to be honest, what else is she supposed to do? Exactly. Yeah, she got to iron the napkins. Check out the pears and find some fishing lures. That sounds like a day to me. <laughs> I mean, that it's is a very, Ben Kissel day. It's at the very least a morning before the morning nap. Absolutely. Well, or it sounds like a really stupid excuse for trying <laughs> to say I didn't kill if my she parents. she made an excuse, wouldn't she say something more dramatic? No, she's stupid. No, she's she not. She was on morphine. I mean, no, I mean, I'm sorry. She's not stupid. No, she, because that's the thing, Henry. By your own admission, if she were to actually commit this crime, she would have had to be lethally clever. I, she might have been lethally, lethally clever, but maybe that's the idea. She's playing on this idea of I am just this simple woman. She's high going, on morphine. That is going to come up, though, in the trial where they are going to position her as like, she, they do caveman lawyer. Mm-hmm. We're like, there's no way this simple woman. She goes, I don't even know what shoes are. Like they try to paint her as if she would have any clue. There's to be no honest, way what she are, could possibly what are shoes? do this. What are shoes? They are gloves for your feet. <laughs> right? So she she understood a little bit how to play the game. So yeah, maybe it does sound, it sounds, again, it's a Miss Piggy excuse. It's been like, oh, you know, while I was out there with wow, my lures. Wow, demeaning Miss Piggy yeah. out of nowhere. I mean, you know how I am. For no reason taking down Miss Piggy. I mean, this is the normal day. I've read mm-hmm. a thousand times that this is the normal day of a Victorian spinster. <laughs> get it. A thousand times. Wow. But that's the thing. It's not the sort of morning that you're going to recall with great clarity, sure. especially after you find your father hacked to death with an axe in your own home, and especially not after you've been shot full of morphine for an extended period of time. There Things you go. get fuzzy. Yes, I will they do. also say they're called lures for a reason. Mm. So, <laughs> <laughs> to lure the fish in. Yeah, no. I think she got lured like a fish out there. Be like, oh, what's that shiny? thing 
Oh, is that because I'm kind of worried? Well, either way, it would fit her narrative. Yeah. Furthermore, Lizzie was questioned for days on end without a lawyer present, mm. which none of you out there listening should ever, ever, ever do. I Never. plead the fifth. One, two, three, fifth. Fifth? <laughs> Absolutely. Nothing wrong with that. Where's my lawyer? That's the only thing yep. you should ever say to the police. Yep. I want my lawyer, man. Get out of here, Lebowski. I want Kubi, man. <laughs> especially if you're innocent. I will say that. Yeah. Or, especially. especially if you're guilty. <laughs> well, first, Knowlton asked Lizzie about men that may have been on bad terms with her father. Then they moved on to John Morse. Asking how often he visited, when he visited, and when his last visit was. He's doing shit. He's been in and out of town. He just went, he ain't no fishing lure. That's for certain. No, he is not. You no, know? he is not. Well, she said uh, that he, the last time he had been to town was before the river had frozen. Okay. So it's like. It's I a mean, very, it's a very classy way of well, saying it's not fall. No, it's not a very classy way of saying that. That's a super high way of saying that. Yeah. But they did kind of speak like that, though, yeah. too, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, that is true. A little bit. You fucking came over one time and the vibe was all turquoise. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> now, after Lizzie gave vague drug answers about all that, Knowlton brought out another trick that police still use today by asking the accused to characterize something that has no precise description then asked them to characterize it again. In Lizzie's case, hmm. Knowlton asked her to characterize her relationship with her stepmother. Well, there was this one time that my boyfriend came over and he said something about how I wasn't doing it right and then she showed him how to <laughs> properly have sex with me. Right, she kind of trained yeah, the boyfriend a little so bit. It's kind of okay. crazy. Well, that's a pretty normal relationship. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lizzie first said that the relationship was cordial, okay. but when she was asked about the relationship again the next day, she said it was distant. You ever seen Star Wars? <laughs> yeah, I mean, cordial and distant are not necessarily mutually exclusive. Well, this, of course, gave Knowlton a chance to be aggressive, jumping on the inconsistency by telling her, well, yesterday you said it was cordial. Now you're saying it's distant. Yeah, you, Which we, is it, Lizzie? Quit, is it, it cordial both. or is it distant? It literally can be both. Me. Exactly. Quit castling me, man. <laughs> Seriously, leave this poor... Let this woman have her morphine trip alone. And then, after jumping on this, Knowlton would accuse Lizzie of the murders, then pull back, all to keep her off balance. You guys are keeping me off balance here today. <laughs> it seems like it. You're just sitting there. Well, after that, the cops started asking Lizzie about the ever-important hayloft. See, Lizzie said that she'd gone out to the hayloft of the barn that morning to look for her fishing sinkers. Mm -hmm. That's just, just so stupid. It's not stupid it, it really is. You it's know people fish, lures. right? I do know. How else do you, you find a fishing lure? Let me, you let me ask you this, Henry. Let's say that you were at your home. Somebody gets murdered in your home, but you say, I wasn't there. I was out looking for my cheddar goblin. I'm in jail. That's what that means. <laughs> that is true. But what if you were actually out looking for your cheddar goblin? I'm still in jail. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Slime gang. Well, she was out there. She heard a noise and came back to the house to find her father murdered. That's what she said. Yes. And after hearing this alibi, police said that they went and checked the hayloft and found a thick layer of dust on the floor. And that told them nobody oh. had been in the hayloft for mm. weeks. That's kind of good police work. However, uh -oh. a young boy testified in the trial under oath that immediately after the murders, he and a friend, two people there, ran to the house to see what was going on. And when they were turned away by the police, they went to the barn and watched the whole thing from the hayloft. Wow. Therefore, the police were either mistaken 
or lying about that thick layer of dust. Mm. And guess what, boys? That ain't the last lie they're going to tell. Wow. Or what? could the dust come quick? Perhaps I, it was a dusty day. Yeah, I, I actually don't know if that, <laughs> I don't know yeah, if that's well. physically possible. Yeah, that, I mean, this is Massachusetts. This is in Arizona. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, but it, uh, the police do lie. <laughs> what? Wait, <laughs> what? Yeah. No, what? Finally, there was some hubbub about a dispute over Andrew gifting his father's house to his wife, Abby. This rankled the Borden sisters. Okay. Why are you giving grandma's house to stepmom and not to us? Honestly, mm. yeah, that would kind of piss off people. Well... Andrew gifted the house back to Lizzie and Emma just to calm the waters. But a few weeks before the murders, Andrew put the house back into his name. Yes. Therefore, it was speculated that Andrew was in the process of changing his will to cut Emma and Lizzie out, put uh -oh. Abby in. Well, this is one of those weird cloudy things, yeah, right? Because it's, very cloudy. It, it, it's about whether or not you believe anything that Lizzie said about her relationship with her stepmother, because there are some people believe that they had a very bad relationship. And if that is true, then, then what they said was, is that her father fucked with the will because I'm sick of how you treat your stepmom and she fucks me. So mm -hmm. she's actually going to get the money and you're not. Well, and then it's actually switched from when he was done having sex with Lizzie because for a while he would treat her to fancy dresses because because according to that horrible story she'd lay there and let him do whatever she wanted her to do Fantastic. all of what Henry said is rumor and unsubstantiated in any way whatsoever I'm Again, a lawyer we don't speculate this is the I podcast I just want to make sure our listeners know all of that is rumor yeah man what are you going to do <laughs> sure. but the thing is is that Andrew after Andrew gifted the house back to Lizzie and Emma you know put the house back in his name Andrew actually bought the house back from Emma and Lizzie. He didn't mm. just take it away yes. from them. He just he gave, gave them the money right he back. He just gave them a lot of money. Therefore, Emma and especially Lizzie had a lot of cash on hand, which okay. goes against the murder for inheritance theory. And Andrew's business manager said that no conversation about the will ever took place, mm. despite police insisting that the business manager told them that it did. That's lie number two. Mm. As you know, I am not doing a will. It will be the Southwest Airlines of deaths. Everyone has to run <laughs> fight and fucking get there. If you want something, show up first, like my uncle did. And then he took everything that he wanted from the house after my grandfather died. Yep. Caused a massive family rift. That's but you know what? He got there first. Why don't you set up a foot race across America? The gumball race. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Now, for Lizzie's part, she did talk about a shadowy figure lurking around the house a few nights before the Your murders. She had wings and it was this very vibrant color. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she said that she saw somebody run down the steps of her home as she came home from a friend's house one night. Huh. But, by way of scary. but by way of description, she could only say that he was, quote, not a very tall person. Yeah, and he said okay. something about his gold and how he had to get his gold and, <laughs> and that he's going to he do Irish? anything it takes to get his gold. Gold, and yeah, he, he brought it to Las Vegas. He yeah. might go after it. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what he said? He said he just came back from outer space. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow, that it was incredible. But I'm high as fuck. <laughs> it sounds like it. But to be fair, what are we talking? We're still talking like gas lamps here, right? Yeah. When it comes to yeah. lighting. So yeah. it would be very dark well, in the house. Power. Is there electric Electric power power at yeah, this point. not in her house. Yeah. Not in her house. Okay. And I'm not sure if they have electric street lamps at this time either. Okay. Hmm. At least not in Fall River, Massachusetts. It was Probably a darker in like time. New York City. But yeah. <gasps> yes. Definitely a dark. The They're not lamps. bright street lights, not halogen lights. Sure. When will the street lamps come to Fall River? <laughs> Honestly, that's a fun. <laughs> that is a, that is a fun song. We'll Honestly, that's a, a fun yeah. song. That's a good when Gordon will the street light song. Light. Oh, don't even bring Gordon to this. <laughs> Soon, however, 
came a most suspicious action perpetrated by Lizzie Borden, although one could argue about just how suspicious it really was. See, on August 6th, the day after the murders, police searched all the dresses in Lizzie and Emma's rooms, desperately searching for any sign of blood, but finding none. Hmm. Then, on August 7th, Lizzie was found in her kitchen by her friend Alice Russell with a skirt hanging from her arm. Lizzie said that the dress was covered in paint, and since she needed the hook for a new dress, she was going to burn it, which was common practice at the time. It's super thick paint. <laughs> it's red as hell, and it's all, yeah. it's all goopy and crusty, so better put it in there. <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> Evidence no, of any de- kind. Definitely mm. not. But that's interesting. They just burned the dress, huh? Yep. Yeah. And it was green paint, my friend. And unless Abby and fucking Andrew were gremlins, it was not blood. It Who might knows? point to Henry's leprechaun theory. Though. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's possible. Now, Emma, who was also in the room, she agreed. And she said, might as well. So Lizzie burned the dress in her backyard not two days after her parents had been murdered. Hmm. But while this does sound bad, Alice Russell did indeed see the dress. And rather than blood, it was spattered with green paint. Another thing, two cops were there at the house when Lizzie did it, and they didn't say shit. Okay. Hmm. Additionally, a house painter named John Groward testified that he'd painted the Borden house in May of that year, and Lizzie had indeed supervised the work. It's also possible, although this is just my own speculation, that Lizzie did not own mourning clothes prior to the murders. Afterwards, she needed mourning clothes because mourning dress was something that you were expected this time to wear for an entire year. So it is very possible that she did need a new hook for that dress. Time to go to Hot Topic and pick up your last podcast shirt along with an old doggy style t-shirt from Snoop Dogg. (laughs) They're not selling them there anymore. Yeah, they do. still do. They do? I was in in one in two years ago and they still had the doggy style shirt. I'm Mm. talking about our last podcast shirt. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, yeah, that's probably gone. Yeah, Yeah, I'm not sure. Probably didn't sell very well. We don't do well with the teenagers. It was for 15 year olds. They know what it is. No, absolutely. If you are 15 though listening to this, thank you. Bring it to TikTok. Please. (laughs) And like I said, all of Lizzie's dresses were carefully inspected by police prior to the burning. And considering how bad they wanted Lizzie for these murders, it's likely that they would have jumped on any hard evidence, no matter how small. I feel like there's a push and pull between being, quote unquote, highly respectful of women at the time and doggedly searching for evidence. So I do think that there's a she, Lizzie Borden is also weirdly in this bubble where she is the main suspect, but also she's a dainty woman. Mm. So they, I feel like they're always both like, they're like, don't you, you shouldn't burn that dress, Lizzie. And she's like, but it's got paint on it. And they're like, <laughs> fucking all right. I guess she I mean, can burn the dress. We can't be yelling at this woman now, can we? Right? Not now. It's yeah. green paint. I don't know how well women had it back then. No, but, no, of yeah. course not. The point is, behavior is considered suspicious, but still, there is no evidence. Okay. The following Monday, though, the cops searched the house again and reinspected a box of hatchets that had already been ruled out as murder weapons. It's not uncommon to have hatchets. It's not like yeah, if a someone, box of hatchets. Think about it. If okay. someone gets stabbed in your house, they're not going to take every single knife that you got. 
They're gonna look. I hope not. Unless you're an OCD murderer. <laughs> yeah, I need my peanut butter spreader, aka a knife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, most of these hatchets were dirty and obviously hadn't been used in a while. But there was one hatchet that looked a little odd. On this one, the handle was freshly broken off near the head, and the head itself was coated in an ash-like substance that didn't match the dust of the other tools. Hmm. No blood, though, which made it suspicious, but not evidential man but even so on august 8th 1892 based on lizzie's inconsistent storytelling the discovery of the hatchet and the burning of the dress which later on in hindsight was seen as suspicious it is a warrant was issued for lizzie borden's arrest for the murder of her parents Mm. whoa now before lizzie was arrested most people used descriptors like dull flat or plain in relation to Lizzie. Sad. But after, people started getting more personal, yeah. saying that she was known to be a woman of bad disposition, oh. strong-willed, oh. relentless, and again and again, ugly. You know? Oh, my goodness. Come on. What's wrong with, first of all, strong-willed is good, relentless is good, At the time, and then ugly wasn't. is subjective, a- yeah. so especially ugly for a woman. Nah. Yeah. 1892, those were pejorative terms. Of course. In relation to a woman. Now it's like that saying you're a hashtag girl boss. Girl boss. Mm-hmm. Yes. I like baby boss. Well, even <laughs> baby boss is cute. It baby is fine. Boss. What did he do? We don't know. Actually, <laughs> that's my thing. How does a baby become I, a boss of I anything? I don't know anything about that. About that documentary. Yeah, if you did, <laughs> I would call the police. Yeah. <laughs> well, even family members joined in with Lizzie's estranged uncle Hiram Harrington. Flat out I saying, ain't trusting a fucking high room as far as I can throw him. <laughs> he flat out said that Lizzie slaughtered her parents for the inheritance. Kissel's throwing a lot of dudes today. Yeah. I'm throwing a lot of dudes. Yeah. Mostly birds, but yeah. one dude. Hiram. <laughs> that's a horrible name. When asked about motive, Hiram Harrington said, quote, Money. Unquestionably money. If Mr. Borton died, he would have left something over $500,000. And all I will say is that, in my opinion, that furnishes the only motive and a sufficient one. For the double murder. Oh my goodness, Hiram. Such a Hiram. Such a Hiram. But as Bill James put it, most people who kill their parents for the money will show very clear signs of greed. True. Like when the Menendez brothers killed their parents and immediately bought fancy watches and the yeah. finest tennis rackets. They well, they had too much. The, the tennis the, practice was too hard for them. They yeah. were abused. Yeah. Now, Lizzie, however, already had money. Her personal bank account was full to the brim. She was in line to inherit Andrew's <gasps> money relatively soon anyway. Ooh. People did not live that long in 1892. Okay. And she really had nothing to do with the money once she had it. Instead, all the murders did was ruin her life forever. Yeah. Ooh. Now, interestingly, even though some townsfolk were unkind in their descriptions of Lizzie, most in Fall River openly accused the police of persecuting a young girl because they weren't able to find the actual perpetrator, with some even calling for the tarring and feathering of every lawman in town. And apparently, tarring and feathering was not as fun as it is in the cartoons. Like, you get horrible hot tar, and you scream, and you scream, and then they put their feathers on you. I don't think you get better from that. I think a lot of times you die, and otherwise you have to, like, slowly peel it off your flesh. You do. It's bad. Yeah, sometimes you do die, but then if you don't, then yeah, you got to peel it off and that's the thing is that when you peel it off it's not like you're peeling it off your skin you are peeling Peeling your your skin skin off off your flesh yeah you probably die of an infection at some point yeah probably but it's kind of fun to pretend to be a little chicken for a while (laughs) (laughs) but the thing about lizzie borden is that she was rich yep 
And as a result, she already had a family lawyer. Her family lawyer was Andrew Jennings. And Andrew Jennings put together a 19th century dream team. Straight up, dog. This was the fucking, the O.J. Simpson team of Mm -hmm. the 1890s. All right. Jennings first hired a Boston lawyer named Melvin O. Adams, a handsome man with a waxed mustache, (laughs) two perfect little curls of hair upon his forehead. Where did that go? Why don't people do that anymore? (laughs) And quote, the generous full mouth of an orator. Yeah, I could suck a dick. Okay. I don't, know. I don't know about the preface of a handsome man based upon the description that follows, but that's okay. Kissel and I both have bigger lips. Mm. Yeah. So I guess that's what you'd say. I guess we do have the full mouth of orator. Of an orator. I, you I have would, good lips too, Marcus. I, thank you. I would say Ben has the handsome full mouth of an Woo-hoo! orator. You have the small mouth of a non-suckler. I am a... <laughs> Cherub of comedy. <laughs> Got you good, fucker. Oh, man. The third member of the team, however. You're would... making up for it now. Don't worry about yeah. it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the third member of the team, however, would not be added until after the preliminary hearing. Now, the hearing to determine whether Lizzie would go to trial would have been fairly boilerplate if not for the reappearance of the ghoulish medical examiner, Dr. William Dolan. Do you know how many human bones there are? (laughs) I'm pretty certain there's about a million. Are you a doctor? (laughs) I got the DR up there. All right. When Dr. Dolan testified on the stand that he had removed the heads of Andrew and Abby Borden, it quickly became apparent from Emma and Lizzie's reactions that Dr. Dolan hadn't even told the family he'd done it, much less asked permission. You guys ready to see the melons? (laughs) (laughs) He just brought them in a bag, like literally like flopped open a fucking leather satchel, and he's like, there we go, there we go, it's about three pounds right there, Mm, yeah, 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 fits right in the palm. Dr. Dolan went into minute detail about how he boiled Abby and Andrew's heads like soup bones until their faces slid off their skulls. I Mm. wish you could have been there. You would have seen how fucking awesome it was. I loved it. It was was just so fun how it slides right off. (laughs) Then he pulls out like three, three foot long straws like it's a tiki bar. And you get that one drink where you'll suck it together until it's just spit at the end. (laughs) Suck the brains. Mm, Some daddy soup. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And Abby and Lizzie were right there oh watching gosh. him describe this. Oh but in the end, the prosecution mostly went with means, motive, and opportunity. And based on those, Lizzie Borden's case went to trial for the double murder of her parents. Oddly, she was charged three times. One for the murder of Abby, one for the murder of Andrew, and one for the murder of both of them combined. Oh, so Wait. double murder was its own charge? I guess in Fall River, Massachusetts at the time. Interesting. Yeah, I guess the, right. I guess maybe our law system was a little gooshier then. Yeah. Gooshier. A little more malleable. Yeah. What you're saying. So they had three chances to get her. Yeah. Okay. Now with Lizzie, she was stuck in a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation with the press. She was reported to have acted uncaring and cold during the first hearing, but Lizzie responded that she was merely trying to act like a lady, which is what was expected of her in this time period. Yeah, how do they, they expect people to act in those situations, though? Also, it's, it's damned if you do. If she would, it's very hard. If she would have, you know, actually showed She's sorrow to laugh. and like shit like that. If she would have showed sorrow or like lost her shit, they would have said she was overacting, or they would have said she is proof. not acting as a lady. Or but, it's proof that she did it because yeah. she's sad. Yeah, exactly. But you know, if she acts old and uncaring, if she has her shit together, then they say she should be acting in an in the opposite way. Hear me out, spinny hat. This is where you bring your spinny hat. Oh yeah, that's how you're innocent. That's mm-hmm. how you know you're innocent. Mm-hmm. 
But then the newspaper started lobbing grenades. <gasps> About two months after the murders, the Boston Globe printed a story saying that Lizzie had killed her father because she was pregnant and he therefore threatened to reduce the amount of money she'd receive upon his death as a consequence. Well, that is why all of these various conspiracy theories came out. It's because yeah. of all the lies that the press immediately said to, in, during the trial. So right. it, it, it turned into all of this fan fiction about Lizzie Borden that would hang around for 150 years. Mm -hmm. Wow. So it was said that Lizzie murdered her parents with an axe before Andrew could change the will, presumably doing it so brutally because no one would ever think to pin it on poor little Lizzie hmm. instead Ooh. of just poisoning them. Wouldn't her dad be happy if she was pregnant? Because then he might, she might... Pregnant out of wedlock, sir. I mean... Scandal. Scandal. Okay, Scandal. Because guess. it also depends on who it, who it was. Because then there's also the idea of, did it come... From daddy. A leprechaun. Mm. Oh, I see daddy. <laughs> yes. I see daddy. It, did daddy make himself a grandpa? Oh, gosh. Oh, <laughs> oh. And a dad again? Oh, yes. Oh, how stressful is that? Oh, but then you get to spoil the child when you're grandpa for the day and give him Worthers. But the next day when you're dad, you got to yell about, hey, you got to, I know you got flipper feet, and that's where we're taking you to swim lessons. <laughs> To give the story credibility, it was written that all of this was said by Borden family maid Bridget Sullivan, mm. who claimed to have heard Andrew and Lizzie fighting over the pregnancy. Bridget also allegedly said that Lizzie had offered a gold watch in exchange for her silence, sealing Lizzie's nefarious intention. Hmm. But the whole story turned out to be an utter fabrication written by a journalist named, no shit, Henry Tricky. Come on. What do you want from me? Come on. That's what I do. <laughs> well, it really is sad. We've talked about this a lot on this show about the misinformation spread immediately after crimes from journalists, air oh, quotes yeah. journalists, and it doesn't go away. No. It just stays there and permeates. It's, and now what is this? 200 years old, this oh, no. case, right? Or it's just, just around there? It's bad. Politicians have learned for forever. It's what you do. You just say a thing and then their jobs are, everyone else has to scramble to say, no, 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 that's not true. No, 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 that's not true. And you just keep people on the defensive all well, the time the and they never just tell you what is true and, and then you just never get to state your own version yeah. of the truth yeah the First rumor thing. the rumor about her being pregnant and killing her father with an axe that still persists to this day people mm. still think that 130 years later just like 130 years from now people are still gonna think that Columbine happened because those two dickheads were bullied right, when yeah. they weren't That's you know and, and oh they're also saying it was because Abby walked into her scissor in the maid, mm -hmm. right? Like that's another one, which is also completely, totally fan fiction. Yep. Uh, it, but it is interesting. It's but nice fan fiction though. I know. It's, that's better, the, it's better fan fiction. That was what you your poem Lizzie? was all about. No, I want to though. I'm gonna. I'm fine with Lizzie. I like Lizzie. Yeah, yeah. it's good. See, Tricky, Henry Tricky, the guy who made Very all this tricky. shit up, he was known to get a little overexcited about stories in pursuit of scoops. He kind of <laughs> went ahead with shit before it was verified. But yeah, that's the nice thing about scoops when you just make them up. Yep. And he'd bought this story from a fraudulent private detective named Edwin McHenry. The Globe printed a retraction 10 hours later, but Tricky soon left Boston to track down the private detective who'd swindled him out of 500 bucks. But two months later... <laughs> That's Henry a side quest I would love to go on. Yeah. Two months later, Henry Tricky was found dead. Whoa! El Duce'd on some train tracks in Ontario. It happens to really? these types. Mm. <laughs> so, I wonder what he, I wonder if he uncovered an actual truth. I don't some think point. so. No? I think somebody just said you're dead now. You're dead. Henry Tricky is dead. I, I think what he uncovered is a fraudulent private detective who got sick of dealing with his shit. And uh, I think Edwin McHenry killed him to shut him up. Gosh. Or what seems to be the reason why most people die on train tracks is uh, technically the, the death should be attributed to alcohol 
alcoholism <laughs> that allows you to fall asleep on the train tracks. Yeah. Or bad romantic brunch planning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> train side brunch. Train brunch. Well, supposedly Henry Tricky had fallen under the wheels as the train left the station and police oh. made no further inquiries. Could be pushed. Texas Pete is a sauce and allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around, it's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try Every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor by Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce and a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some cha Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs and a whole bunch of cha and it started off my day Correct. Texas Pete. Sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest and... I guess I can share it here. I I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine. And it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up. And a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God, I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. Hey, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. 
Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs, and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt, and I love planting things myself. And fast-growing trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like, I got this uh, Texas sage. It's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there, and it's going to thrive, and it's going to look real good. And I don't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Now, once Lizzie's case went to trial, she rounded out her legal team by hiring the 1892 local equivalent of Johnny Cochran, George D. Robinson. Robinson was a former congressman, and just five years before representing Lizzie, he'd also been the governor of Massachusetts. (laughs) Yep. No, he is very, he is, yes, he's very deeply involved in the establishment. Pretty powerful. And to give you an idea of how much money Lizzie Borden had, her defense would have cost, in today's money, well over a million dollars. Now, when it came to pinpointing not necessarily a motive, but more a stimulus for the crimes, the papers settled into the old 19th century diagnosis of menstrual hysteria. Yeah, apparently this is true. I got an email from a listener that said that they that's uh, they said that it was this idea that you could have many seizures while you are menstruating and that you could black out. And that that's also why she robbed the house like she that Lizzie Borden robbed her own house during a menstruation seizure. And that so she's had this, some sort of menstruation seizure all day and that's when she went and killed the whole family i mean if you're lizzie also you could kind of spin that into a defense i mean because then the jurors would be like we're just gonna find you're not guilty because of yuck yeah i don't want to think about it actually we're gonna get to that all right see back then it was believed by many medical professionals that menstruation predisposed women to mental and behavioral conditions not suffered by men the worst of which being hysteria. Basically, menstruation, in their view, encapsulated the entire problem of female physiology, psychology, and behavior. The onset of menses was viewed as a time of great danger, a systemic shock repeated monthly with varying intensity. But you, hey, Hmm. hey, y'all women, people who get the menses, wouldn't you rather be perceived as super dangerous when you're on your period? Wouldn't that be nice to have that excuse? People people go like, oh, well, you know, and then you're like, I'm I kill you. I don't know. I don't know if having people be actively horrified of your presence is fun to people. I think maybe they want to make friends sometimes too. Yeah, sometimes. Like, because you're just yelling at people at Dave and Buster's. It's not quite as like romantic as you might be thinking. Does your period make you dangerous? <laughs> Well, in fact, an Austrian criminal psychologist named Hans Gross claimed that women committed crimes more often during menstruation because their inhibitions were lowered when it was their time of the month. They're already seeing all this blood. Yeah. I guess. This, this though, has actually proven to be the opposite Ah, of the truth. Ah. Women are significantly 
less likely to commit crimes, violent or otherwise, while they are in the throes of menses. Ooh. Mm. The throes. Yeah. Throw some menses. Take me, would you? Yeah, honestly, if you want some room on the bus, throw some menses. That's a good point. (laughs) That's a good point. But going off 1892 beliefs, Lizzie Borden testified that she did indeed, using the local euphemism at the time, have fleas. During the murder, <laughs> yeah, dude. Yuck. Why did they make it sound grosser than it? It's not gross. It's beautiful. It's a it's a beautiful part of life, isn't it? It, it is. But it is. I have fleas. Is like she's a Saint Bernard. Yeah, it's, 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 it's <laughs> sound like Saint Bernard. Well, therefore, hysteria was fair game. Now, the trial of Lizzie Borden began on May eighth, eighteen ninety three. But another axe murder occurred in Fall River before the trial. Damn. What? A 22-year-old woman named Bertha Manchester was found with 23 axe wounds to the skull. It takes at least a dozen axe wounds to kill a Bertha. Bertha Manchester is a tough name. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's a tough lady. Mm -hmm. It's got to be a tough lady. Bertha Manchester, like fucking by next year, I want to see three roller derby girls out there named Bertha Bertha Manchester. Manchester. That's great. Bertha's going to have a comeback when it comes to names. It might. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Well, the papers, upon finding this body, they quickly named the possible serial killer Jack the Chopper. Wow, original. No, that's bullshit. It is bullshit. But police dismiss any connection because the Borden murders showed a premeditated plan to kill, while the murder of Bertha Manchester showed a struggle and a sudden impulse. In Bertha's murder, though, the cops finally got a Portuguese to blame after an immigrant named Jose de Mello confessed to the killing. Now, the jury for Lizzie's trial was well-chosen by the defense and well-chosen by Lizzie herself. Each member was approved by a head nod from Lizzie, and by the end of it, the box was filled with mustachioed men with sunburned necks and dim expressions on their faces. Mm. What they don't say is if she disapproved of a juror, she would do the undertaker, like, cut the thumb (laughs) going across your neck. No. Or she'd fight. Oh, she, she would fart. Yeah, she yeah. would fart. She would fart. Other than the unbelievable scripture bringing back to the show. Yeah. Or she would fart. <laughs> I love it. Wow. I guess you're not. I'm sorry, juror number seven. You got to go. <laughs> I don't know how to say I just had some beans. I actually liked him. I kind of liked him. Oh, juror number nine. You got to go. That came from the front. <laughs> That's a queef. Juror number nine. You're the foreman now. The trial began with an exploration of Lizzie's relationship with her parents, plus a presentation of the broken-handled axe as a possible murder weapon and a detailed description of the Borden home. See, one of the big questions during the trial was this. If someone was walking through the house like Lizzie was, could they have easily seen Abby's body laying in the guest room? But as it is with everything in this case, the answer came back non-committal. Yeah, I mean, if you don't look, then you don't see That's it. the thing. They finally decided, quote, you could see a body if you were looking for one. This yeah, is the thing, man. So well, that's what? called the defense <laughs> ran a ring around fucking everybody else. Yeah. I do love this one piece of evidence because they were talking about how when they went to go look to see if the evidence was destroyed, they found a burnt up thing in the oven that they thought was a hatchet handle, oh. right? But that actually was a roll of newspaper, right? And then they turned out they, they tested it and they looked at it. It was a roll of newspaper. Well, that's and weird then in itself, isn't it? They're... Ex-Governor George Robinson, this is literally why he's Johnny Cochran, where he said during his closing, did you ever see such a funny fire in the world? 
What a funny fire that was. A hardwood stick inside the newspaper. And then the hardwood stick would go out beyond recall. And the newspaper that lives forever would stay there. What a funny idea. What a theory that is. <laughs> I love that guy. I love that man. So bereft of any hard evidence, the prosecution relied on Lizzie's attitude after the murders, the burning of the dress, and the hatchet with the missing handle that may or may not have been cleaned after the murders. Mm. But concerning the hatchet, the prosecution's witnesses contradicted one another. One cop said that Bridget handed him the hatchet, but Bridget said this wasn't true, making her the third person to directly say that the police had lied in the pursuit of a conviction. But again, no one believed the shift the Irish at the time. That's true. The cops then switched to say that they did find the hatchet on the day of the murder, but didn't take it until later. This sounds more like the truth, because if you'll remember, the B squad of the police were the first on the scene, because all the other cops were at the amusement park that day. They needed me time. This is great. So many elephant ears and no crime happening in the city. This is a great time to be at the carnival. Hey, George, you want to help me shoot all this cotton candy? Absolutely. I love shooting cotton candy. The bullet goes through it just like an innocent person. In addition... There were also questions as to whether the handless hatchet was sharp enough to cleave into the skulls of the Bordens so many times because the handless hatchet was quite dull. Most importantly, though, the hatchet kind of sort of but didn't really match the wounds. Oh, well, that's a pretty big deal. I mean, this is before the time of, like, exact forensics. We're starting to get there. Like, you know, you have the beginning. But in this case, you just got to take the handle, put it into one of the crevices in the skull and be like, nope, don't fit. Right? I... They just did a lot of shrugs in this high court case. Yeah. There was, however, a claw-handled hatchet in the Borden home that did fit those wounds. But there was no evidence for blood on that hatchet. Basically, they had to find a hatchet that had blood wounds. They had to find a hatchet. There had to be something. I can get you a hatchet. (laughs) There was also the question of when the Bordens were killed, because that very importantly informed the timeline. See, it was established during the trial that using methods such as body temperature and blood coagulation were unreliable. So the prosecution had to rely more on the blood absorption on the carpet. The medical officer, the dude Uh. actually went and searched and looked at the bodies too. The way he described it literally was like different types of jelly. Where he's just like, well, it's got a runny on the other one. And the other one's got, it's more glogged up. It's got more fruit bits. And the other one's got a little bit more of a give to it. Are you ordering an egg breakfast in this diner? not had breakfast yet. You hungry? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to test blood absorption rates, a man named seriously, this is his name, Doctor Ed Wood. Yep. <laughs> Listen to this. Listen how, what he did. This, this is so we're in black medicine. and white. We're in black and white now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Some aliens are around. He killed a dog. Oh no! And opened up an artery see? on a carpet. You see, everybody see what happened? Why there? did you fucking and kill the dog, just going like, Ed Wood? Oh, fascinating. This is incredible. Oh God. You what a day to be in court. What a great day. Did he kill the dog in court? I add that I actually don't know. I what you a maybe. How do you think he did it? Do you think he strangled it or do you think he <laughs> hit it on the head with a hammer? Oh my well, I would assume he would have to do do it with an axe, right? I don't know. But to, that's to simulate the crime? But that's the thing. He actually cut an artery on the leg because he's only testing <sighs> blood absorption rates. Yep. So he might I don't know, he might have like Killed the dog in the next room. Although, like, excuse me, everyone, I don't want to do this in front of everybody else. Like, okay, come on, come on, fucker, come on. But in the end, 
It gave them no information. <laughs> yeah, of course uh, not. It, it, it did nothing to chip away at Lizzie's defense. <laughs> But then this this trial is the most macabre part of the entire story. I just don't know why the dog had to die. Yeah. But then there's those bloody cloths that Lizzie claimed were minstrel towels. Yes. Like my menstruations. <laughs> I was collecting them. Oh. Now you'd think that the presence of bloody cloths would be highly valuable evidence, no matter what anyone at the scene said they were. You gotta at least believe that is fishy. Yeah. They got rid of all of these quote-unquote menstruation rags. I mean, honestly, (laughs) because they were, we didn't see them. We don't know how sopped with blood they were. No idea. No idea. Okay. Because that's the thing, man. Today, weeks of that trowel would have been spent on the rags alone. Oh, yeah. They would have analyzed the consistency of the blood. They would have put them in hot water to see what kind of tea they made. <laughs> they- <laughs> and you're actually drinking that tea right now, juror number three. This is great tea. Irony. 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 <laughs> they would go through the difference between period blood and blood from a vein. And they'd kill another dog. <laughs> and then they get menstruation from another dog. Oh, my God. Don't have the dog menstruate. What is happening? <laughs> they would have charts demonstrating Lizzie's monthly cycle, saying whether she was early with her period or late with her period, how often Lizzie was late or early with her period. They would have had testimony from five different kinds of gynecologists. That's great. But in 1892, both the defense and the prosecution were so squeamish about menstruation that the rags were barely mentioned. Dr. Mm. Ed Wood simply said that they were from, quote, ordinary monthly sickness. So ordinary, ordinary, ordinary monthly sickness. Yeah. Okay. And everyone was all too happy to move on. Yes, let's go. I have the heebie-jeebies officially, officially, legally. Um, prosecution, defense on the judge here. We're going to yada, yada, yada this. Yeah. Please, oh, thank, thank you. you. I'm in straight right now. No, we're going to yada, yada. Yes. So I meant to say I have fleas in my pussy. That's so Sorry, much. everybody. Thank have you. fun today. Thank you for being have professional. Fleas in your pussy. Is, oh God. But while menstruation was too icky to mention, nobody had any problem when a doctor named Frank Draper actually brought Andrew Borden's skull into the courtroom. For what? (laughs) Why? (laughs) To show what it looked like that he brought a skull in. He's to impress everybody. Look what I've done. I'm a doctor. I can do this. Anybody else would call me a ghoul. You are a ghoul. You can be both. (laughs) From a report at the time, it was said that the jaw on Andrew's skull moved back and forth. In a grisly suggestion of speech. Lizzie, what are you doing? Lizzie, what are you doing? Come on, leave, leave me alone. Ah, you're hitting me He puppeted with this shit on the stand? Yeah, man. He did a puppet. He jacked on him. See, Draper was brought in specifically to talk about the wounds and how much blood spurt could be produced by such wounds. You'd be absolutely astounded just how much blood is gushing inside of the human body <laughs> and just how much can erupt when you cleave a man's head. Clean open. All right, well, that was a great practice, but when we're in front of the jury, don't be such a fucking creep. The <laughs> hunger for blood. No? The spurt of blood. Okay. Like the rush of ejaculate. <laughs> oh. If there is blood in your ejaculate, that is also a time to go to the doctor. Yeah, sure. It, it is a sign. Yep. If there's jelly in the icing, go to the doctor. Go yep. to the doctor. Well, Draper was actually there for the prosecution. He was there to say that an axe attack to the head and face would not send blood spurting all over the place. Really? Instead, what? he said that blood would merely bubble out through the wound and not hmm. really go beyond the surface. Hmm. I don't think that's true. 
It I think is, he's covering up for his own crimes. Yeah. yeah. It is not true. Yeah, because right? splatter. Yeah, yeah. You pull out the axe. Yeah. The axe spreads it all yeah. up to the ceiling. Well, Draper said that there was, quote, this is him, no rule of blood spatter. All right. Today, <sighs> blood spatter is its own branch of forensic science. Yeah. It's got analysts whose entire lives are devoted to how blood behaves in very specific ways when it spatters. We all know that blood is magic and the sun is fueled by a dragon that lives inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, once again... Swing and a miss for the prosecution. Ooh. Well, there is a story that I like in the conspiracy. One angle is, is that they were all poisoned and that the bodies were then manipulated to look as if they were heinously murdered. Hmm. So one, that is like one thing that he postulates. That is, that is it interesting. Was so, it was so thoroughly planned that they were, they were both poisoned uh, with the food, essentially. Like, uh, while with they, breakfast. They, they had already built up the story that the food was bad and making them sick or whatever, and then essentially they went, they pre-poisoned them, they died, then they made it look like they were heinously murdered with an axe. <laughs> <laughs> so that they can blame the crime on some, I think he was some kind of Portuguese. <laughs> That's interesting, yeah. However, I have a question on that one. We know from the stomachs, and we also know from the testimonies, that Abby ate after Andrew did. So how did Abby die first while Andrew was still... Because and Abby died before Andrew even got home. So how was Andrew puttering around town acting just fine while Abby was poisoned? Abby was... Abby consumed the poison and the poison was pushed into her father's mouth and nose that essentially he went to go to sleep on the bench. They laid him down and sleep. And then she literally covered his face with oh, something and like, like killed him while he was struggling on the couch. And then they applied like the Carla Hamolka. Yes. Hamolka. That is interesting. Okay. It's very interesting. Now the trial itself was only 15 days long, incredibly mm. short by today's standards, and especially short in a trial of the century case like Lizzie's. They're all lucky jurors, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't know. To get, to get back to, like, what life? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, today's standards, sure, but yeah. I already found the fishing lures. So I'm <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do with March. <laughs> but by the end of it, the prosecution had failed to produce any direct evidence against Lizzie Borden. But... It's not like the defense was doing a stellar job either, for the most part. I mean, for the most part, they did pretty well. But ultimately, defense attorney George Robinson argued in his closing statements that the murders were so heinous that a woman couldn't have committed them. And concerning Lizzie's inconsistent stories, he again said... She's just a woman. I'm just and some silly bitch. <laughs> I don't do anything. Look at these wrists. So as always, it's a blessing and a curse for mm -hmm. her to be a woman. Just a woman easily confused, as she sure. said. As all women are I am inherently confused. dizzy. Every day I wake up, I almost fall down. Look how small my feet are, how big my head is. I'm just some dull woman. Yeah. Okay. Certainly can't kill her fucking shitty dad. That's for certain. <laughs> Robinson even insinuated that if Lizzie had killed Andrew and Abby, it was still a crime of passion caused by her, quote-unquote, periodic insanity, <laughs> because Lizzie was in the throes of her monthly illness when the murders occurred. Yep, you wouldn't even believe I had blood coming out of the bottom of me, and uh, to be honest, I was ready to make more. I believe that, Lizzie. <laughs> District Attorney Hosea Knowlton also hit the woman angle, saying that the wounds were 
feminine and struck at badly aimed angles that were, quote, weak, puttering, and nerveless. (laughs) Juror number seven, you've got to (laughs) go. Sorry. And so... On June 20th, when it was time to read the verdict, the men and women of Fall River swarmed the courthouse looking for seats, although only the women were admonished by the prudish Fall River Daily Herald for being, quote, a disgrace to femininity. Good Lord. Oh, my Lord. Thank God for the love of true crime uh, mm-hmm. from women. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We are alive to it. Seriously, man. It's always yeah. been this way. Absolutely. But when it came to how long the jury deliberated, Lizzie Borden was acquitted. Oh, yeah, we know. Faster than OJ. Wow. Jurors were gone not half an hour before they declared not guilty with glee, having waited 30 minutes only as, as they put it, a matter of courtesy to the court of law. And that's how you get away with murder. (laughs) Spike the football. Spike a skull. Um, Let me see that skull. Still fucking your daddy. Still fucking your daddy. Lizzie, get out of court when you can. (laughs) In the end, as it goes with many court cases, it didn't matter whether or not Lizzie had actually done it. What mattered was that the prosecution couldn't even come close to proving beyond a reasonable doubt that Lizzie Borden had killed her parents with an axe. Yes. Wow. Yes. See, you can only do the riff when it's at the end of the sentence. Yeah, you can't do it when it's in the middle. You're right. Absolutely. What's interesting, though, is that while Lizzie Borden did sell the house where her parents were murdered, she still lived in Fall River for the rest of her life. Just to lord it over everyone. <laughs> I really do think at that point she was ready to live high on the hog. She was like, Well, she kept all shit. the money, right? Because oh, yeah. she's she not got, guilty. So. She got acquitted. So she got all the money and she got to live exactly how she always wanted to live, which mm-hmm. was in the nice neighborhood overlooking Fall River. Mm-hmm. And they had to live with her for forever. That's the thing. She had the nice house. Yes. She did have that. Oh, And it was a larger house as well. But despite many people being on her side in the beginning, she was shunned from her former social circles and unwelcome in her old church after the trial. She should have moved to Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> that's where they are. That's where killers are welcome. Every August, the Fall River Daily Globe would rehash the Borden murders. And every August, the Fall River Daily Globe would make a point to say the murderer still walked among them, <laughs> all but coming right out and saying that Lizzie Borden had done the deed. Did she? But she never admitted to doing anything. No. She never so talked she, about it publicly ever. Ever again, no. okay. The papers continued hounding Lizzie for years, saying that she'd become engaged to one of the jurors, or constantly printing false stories about Lizzie being a kleptomaniac, always with the headline, Lizzie Borden again! I don't know why she didn't just move. Yeah. I feel like it really just, just comes down to be like, this is my town! Yeah, I mean, it's her home, if that's where she's comfortable. And she was acquitted. Mm-hmm. Yep. Gotta mean something. They also reported that Andrew Borden was somehow still alive and that he was in the habit of paying off shopkeepers anytime Lizzie stole something, although it was never proved that Lizzie ever stole anything. Unless she did dress up as a burglar and set up the first burglary of all the conspiracies are true. Unless. Okay. Eventually, Lizzie and Emma moved to a larger home in the city's elite residential neighborhood. Lizzie changed her name to Lizbeth and called herself 
Lisbeth of Maplecroft after her new estate. Cool. There, and Ben, you're going to like this. Uh She lived a quiet life with her Boston Terriers who rode around with her in her black Packard that she'd specially outfitted with special seats for her little dogs. (laughs) Come on. My bitches are riding (laughs) co-pilot. Come on. This is Terrier Town. I don't know. If I was, if I did have a child and they did kill me, I would almost say don't charge them. Yeah. Well, that's depression. Yeah. No, it's just, I don't know. They're my kid. You created the problem. It's like, technically, it's half my fault. Yeah, I guess yeah, you can. Uh, you are supposed to replace me anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lizzie also befriended neighborhood children. She bought them ice cream. Oh. Was known as a pretty nice lady about town. Sweet. Hey. I killed my father and my stepmother, right? Here's an oh. ice cream cone. Don't say anything. Dude, if you're a kid, first oh, yeah, of all, she's like, got kick ass stories. Second of all, you got ice cream board. <laughs> <laughs> Vanilla and ooh, vanilla. I assume they only have vanilla. You want yeah. some strawberry? Wink, wink, wink. Come on, come over. I got some rags. I'm sure. Yeah, are you in your fun week? Finally, Lizzie Borden died quietly in June of 1927. Okay, glad, according to her friends, to be done with the whole thing. Oh, I bet. Honestly, though, but you know, she had a. She might have had an affair. Like this is the Maybe. type of thing they've been talking about. Like. Why do people think there's any credence to her slapping it with the maid, right? Is that she might have had an affair with a woman by the name of Nance O'Neill that was an actress at the time, oh. um, who's also very similar. She was like one of those like tall, towering kind of actress women. She, But she did, uh, she was married, but she was known to have lesbian dalances. dalances. <laughs> and they had a relationship, a friendship struck up amongst them, both of mm-hmm. them, for, from seems 1904. Like point, it's kind of a point you continue to circle back to, it oh, seems like. I mean, I, I didn't do this. <laughs> yeah, this is, it wasn't me who did this. No, Matt. Nance and Lizzie, they're definitely sharing the lease on a Subaru. Oh, I, <laughs> and they have a lovely town oh. home. Absolutely. I, I love it. And oh. the Boston Terriers with their own seats in the well, when Lizzie died, she left her remaining fortune, $30,000, okay. good sum, good chunk. Yeah. That's, I think I, it's somewhere, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars sure. in today's a lot of money. money. She left it to the Fall River Animal Rescue League. Aww. And it was said that she used the rest of her fortune while she was still alive to bring ease and comfort to others throughout her life. But okay. still... There are questions. Questions. <gasps> questions. Namely, who the fuck killed the Bordens? Oh, that's a big one, and yeah. And even if Lizzie did do it, then where did the murder weapon go? Because no. it obviously was not in the house. I am going to say, there is no way that she did this. I don't believe that this is. But if she did do the thing where she wanted to kill, like, let's see, there's a case we we might be doing pretty soon that goes by the name of Leopold and Lowe, mm. right, at some point, where the idea of killing for pleasure or the experiment of it or like what she did maybe she did hate her father maybe yeah. she didn't hate her father and maybe she ran literal drills practicing when she was going to murder them and how she was going to do it and try to figure out ways to do it and look for opportunity to do it and then finally the opportunity rose and she took it and she figured out a way to change her clothes super fast and that's what she did and she spent her whole ever loving life doing it while she was out looking for fishing lures mm-hmm. but the big question is at least for me is that if she did plan it out so says if she did plan it out like so well and was running drills and all that shit why did she do it on the day that her uncle came to visit? Because that seems like that introduced... That in, but that's the thing. Why not just move it to another day? 
Hmm. There's no- <laughs> Do we know if why it not, was suicide? Not, because it- <laughs> was it suicide? And that's always where yeah. I go to. Because Emma was gone, and she was still going to be gone for a long time. True. Like Emma wasn't coming back any anytime soon. So why why still do it that day? John was in on it, but why? Because he wasn't going to get any money, and there's no record of Lizzie giving him any money. Yeah, so you can just say yeah. stuff, though. Because remember, like, John, oh, no. John what about Morse? the carriage riders that are also a part of this whole thing? There were two carriage riders. They're also, mm-hmm. uh, they were hired, right, knowing for a fact they were trying oh. to get into the carpentry business, and they knew that they were going to get paid out if they helped uh, the murders happen. They picked up the butcher dude. Mm-hmm. The dude came in. He came dressed up as a butcher. He laughed in a butcher's outfit, all spattered with the blood of the Bordens, right? But they just thought he was oh. a normal butcher walking down the street. He got inside of this carriage, and he drove drove off right that's, this is a heist man this is a team that's conjecture mm. it also seems a little bit classist perhaps you're just blaming the butcher and two taxi drivers no this is what this is according to that that incest porn i read <laughs> well again with the timeline you'd have to assume that if lizzie broke the handle of the axe during the murders she would have had to burn the handle or hide it extremely well and also, clean the axe itself completely of any blood in addition to cleaning herself. Remember on the last episode, I went through that timeline of everything she would have had to yes. do in about five minutes. Add burning an axe handle and cleaning the head of an axe right. to that timeline. But as it turned out, the broken handled axe wasn't the murder weapon at all. At all. See, about a month after Lizzie was acquitted, a boy looking for a lost ball found a hatchet in the yard behind the Borden's property. That is a lucky day for a boy. <laughs> what a time to be a boy looking for a lost ball. Mm-hmm. How fun. Now they try to find Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now the hatchet was rusted, but underneath the rust was a glint of gilding, which indicated that the hatchet had been new when it was bought. And considering how deep the axe wounds were, it made sense that the hatchet used would have been new. Yes. It was also revealed that one of the cuts in Abby Borden's skull held a small deposit of gilding metal, the Ooh. same kind that were used to ornament hatchets when they left the factory, which points towards the new axe and away from the broken one. Yes. Wow. Well, I'm going to go with a Scooby-Doo ending. It was old man Withers who owns the amusement park that all the cops were at yes. because he understood all the cops were there the and then, park. boom, he can do it. Yep. Do we know? Do we have an old man Withers? It was a literal roller coaster tycoon. Wow. <laughs> So it seems likely that this was indeed the murder weapon, which supports the theory that the murderer was an intruder who dropped or tossed the murder weapon on his way out of the house and most likely wore dark clothing to hide the bloodstains. Because after all, if Lizzie Borden did indeed commit these murders, then she would have had to have shown an enormous amount of foresight to hide all of the blood evidence. Therefore, it just doesn't make sense for her to simply toss the murder weapon into the next yard so willy-nilly, never to return to retrieve it. Unless she used two axes. What do you mean unless she used two axes? She killed the one because she killed the one the hour before. But then where's the other axe? And she tossed the axe out. I don't know. The other axe is the other one that they found. But that one doesn't fit any of the, um, that doesn't fit any of the wounds. That's what she and was no, And they never found the handle and she didn't have time to burn the handle or hide it. Because you know, you know that those motherfuckers who bought the Lizzie Borden house and ran looked the bed and, and breakfast and looked have and looked, looked for Please secret God. chambers for decades. And you know, it yes. just got sold for $2 million. Yeah. Oh, did it really? Like, yeah, a, a, a year ago or something. They never checked her pussy. <laughs> Come on. Seems like they were disgusted wow. by it, to be honest. Wow. Come on. Now, this is indeed bombshell material, possibly yeah. even exonerating material. 
But the finding of this hatchet wasn't noticed by anyone until someone went through D.A. Knowlton's records in 1989. Almost a hundred years later. Long after the axe in question had well, disappeared. You know, Dog. it's just weird that someone was looking through the files in 1989 because there was probably like an active homicide going on that they could have been investigating. Yes. But, you know, it's no, good to get... These weren't active homicide Oh, these detectives. are like... N- these are, uh, <laughs> these are armchair sleuths. These are armchair sleuths. These okay. are historians gotcha, that are gotcha. looking through this okay. shit. And also, it was announced today that there is a brand new book coming out... Jesus fucking Christ. ...about Lizzie Borden in oh. which they have found the, the up-to-this-point hidden... Jennings journals, which are all of the notes of the entire defense team. It's uh-huh. all of the interviews, evidence collection, all this kind of stuff. We, the book is the article came out announcing that a book is coming out based on these uh, this new evidence that has been hidden <laughs> since the trial. Nice. Well, it's it hasn't been hidden. I know about these notes. These notes have been with that law firm this entire time. But the law firm always said that we have attorney-client privilege, mm-hmm. and that has no expiration date. Okay, so. But I guess they it does. finally gave it up. Yep. Fucking. But they're saying that actually more clearly, it might more clearly exonerate her. Uh, that you don't know yet. We don't okay. know yet because it's it, we'll, we're going to see. But they apparently there's a bunch of evidence in there. Wow. Sweet. Well, that yeah. cool. wow. they didn't even submit the trial today. The article came out. <laughs> I was going through wow. shit today, man. This shit never stops. I, it never stops. Oh we'll do God. a little relax fit, perhaps, and do a catch up. We might have. I guess we will. Catch up. Isn't get, that wild? Uh, yeah, that's fucking. Ins- to that's, this day, that's, we do this show. Uh, these these cases. Synchronicity. They never synchronicity. End. It's true. All right. It's real. But of course, by 1989, the legend of Lizzie Borden had already taken hold and become a part of American history. Yes, indeed. So while it seems likely, in my opinion, that Lizzie Borden didn't do it, yep. that's my opinion. Yep. We will also, unfortunately, never know who really killed Andrew and Abby. I'm taking Marcus's opinion, although your leprechaun theory does hold up as well. I own. mean, where was Warwick Davis if not a time-traveling <laughs> actor? Oh, <laughs> love Warwick Doing Davis. his, honestly, the Lizzie Borden, the Leprechaun 5. Lizzie Borden is a fun idea. That's a great idea. That's really cool. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening to our tale of Lizzie Borden. Oh, was, Lizzie, what was Leprechaun story. 5 the one in space? Uh, Le- I think Leprechaun 5 was in the hood, uh, or was Leprechaun 5 in Vegas? Was I there one say in Vegas? 4 was Vegas. No, I yeah. think 4 was in the hood. Or 4 was in space. Hmm. You, we'll actually four, have to ask Warwick Davis. It is the role of B-movie that 4 or 5 has to be in space. Yes. Look at Critters 4. True. And of course, Jason X, which I think that was actually number 7 That's or something. Ten, yeah, Maybe yeah, number eight, 8, 9. That would have been 10. Yeah, because eight, 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 eight was X. Yeah, eight was Manhattan. Nine was Jason goes to hell, making Jason X number ten. Yeah, Jason goes to hell where Jason wasn't. Really uh-huh. But that's a whole. But is thing. a multiple of five? Is it not? I, it is indeed. It is Lizzie Borden. Everyone, hopefully we're hopefully you're more confused now than ever. Sure, yeah, because uh, it seems like that's the consensus. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you all so much for listening. We want to thank everyone who came out to our shows in Portland and Eugene. Y'all really. No, no joke. You gave us a little pep in our step. You re-energized us. You really did, because yeah. y'all were just so wonderful, and it was just awesome to be back in Oregon. And uh, yeah, we'll, we're excited. Uh, the show in Boise was fantastic. And uh, so thanks to everyone who came out in Idaho, and uh, truly apologize for the people of Vancouver, but we will be there June 23rd. Yes, now. yes, we honestly, we wait. just had fucking problems with getting over the border, but now you'll see. Yes. We're, we're going to make it up to you. We'll have fun. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll see you in Seattle and Spokane. 
mean? And I just don't know what I'm going to do with all this tossed salad and scrambled eggs. <laughs> You're such God a damn well, I don't know what to do with all that Mercy. That show holds up, though. See, Especially Seattle should be very happy. Oh, my God, it holds up. Me and Carolina are watching the whole thing from beginning to end right now. It's fantastic. Sleepless it's sexually Seattle, fueling them. Yeah. It is. Oh, They're is home. that right? Absolutely, yes. She, I get to be Niles, and she gets to be Maris. Mm. Ooh, who's the dog? Uh, the dog. <laughs> Our dog. Georgie. Who is also a half Jack Russell Terrio, so it works really well. Oh, nice. Yeah. I want to be the dad. He was funny because he's like, I'm World War II, you're gay. That's all he, <laughs> basically, that's the undercurrent of the entire show. But no. Um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. And uh, uh, check out the new else? issue of Soul Plumber. Soul Plumber. It's out. out. It, uh, well, I think you have to ask them for it. Issue number three is out. Yeah. Ask them for it. The, the comic, comic book. book store or go, go on the Comixology. Yeah. Or uh, DC uh, Infinite, the yes, DC please. Universe. Yeah, you can yeah. go on any of those. But uh, please, if you can, go to your local comic book store and uh, grab those. I think a lot if you missed if you're if you haven't read any of them so far call up your comic book store see if they uh, got the second printing of issue one see mm-hmm. if they still have issue uh copies of issue two uh and if not they're uh, we're gonna we'll have a trade eventually um but try to buy them individually if you can support your local comic book store absolutely yeah, that'd be sweet and then of course we have our weed vapes and everything else go to the merch page for all the cool clothings and things like that yeah. okay everyone hail yourselves hail satan again magustalations tell me you fuck us yes indeed don't I kill your parents did. i still well, think she did it yeah but way. nothing will shake you from that no yeah no even though there's mountains of evidence to say otherwise i don't know i see two dead parents no questions asked about them. <laughs> A lot of questions. Yep. We've been talking about it for 130 years. <laughs> this show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Buying a master mechanics tool set usually means high prices, higher interest rates, and who knows how many years of monthly payments. But at GearWrench, we don't believe that your tools should take years and years to pay for. So check out Mega Mod Master Sets, the master mechanics tool sets that deliver pro-quality tools, organized storage solutions, an easy-to-use lifetime warranty, and much, much more. All for thousands less than you'd expect. So don't wait. Explore the sets and check availability now. Only at GearWrench.com. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.